Payments Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. You know, caution is usually a sound strategy in the banking industry. And now that the worst of the pandemic is hopefully behind us, it's a sure bet that financial leaders have learned valuable lessons from their ability to fast track projects like emergency loans and contactless payments over the past two years. But mixing that urgency with a healthy dose of caution is a preferred approach, I'm sure, and raises the issue of how much caution is necessary. So my name is John Gaffney. I'll be the host for this episode of the Payments Podcast. And the topic will center around the balance of caution and opportunity in the context of real-time payments. We simply couldn't have a better guest. Uh, Jessica Cheney is Vice President and Head of Product Management for Digital Banking Solutions at Bottom Line and has over 25 years of cash management experience with banks and software providers, including senior leadership roles at U.S. Bank. Perhaps most relevant for this conversation, she has served on the U.S. Federal Reserve's Faster Payments Task Force, the NACHA Innovation Alliance, and the U.S. Faster Payments Council. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks, John. I'm happy to be here and have the chance to talk about one of my favorite topics. Yes, I know it is. Um, I can't wait either. But first, we have to get to a little bit about the format of this episode um, because I, I need to get some numbers out there before we can start. Um, you know, as, as Jessica is a keen observer of and participant in the development of real-time payments, as well as the FedNow Faster uh, Payments platform, She and others have noticed a concerning development that shows U.S. banks are a bit slow to pull the trigger here. So we're going to present Jessica with seven reasons banks have identified as obstacles to real-time adoption. She'll address them. But first, some numbers. So how do we know the U.S. isn't moving as fast as it could or as fast as other countries? Let's look at some data from the Clearinghouse, which is the current volume leader in real-time payments and made up of banking and payments companies as a consortium. Its third quarter report shows that real-time transactions showed total $45 billion for an estimated value of $19.7 billion. Now, that's a 10% bump from Q2, but it comes after a slight dip between Q4 2021 and Q1 2022. The United States is on track for $1.8 billion real-time transactions in 2022. Now, Compare that to some other countries, and you can see the reason for this perceived overabundance of caution. India made $48.6 billion, $48.6 billion real-time payments in 2021. I almost tripped on the number, Jessica. Followed next by China at $18 billion, according to the Center for Economics and Business Research. So, Jessica, on a, on a general level, um, are we being too cautious in the United States? And if we are... Why should we approach it more aggressively? There have been reasons for banks to approach this more conservatively in the past, John. The TCH RTP network was brand new. The Fed offering was not fully and clearly defined. And consumer demand was strong in other instant payment alternatives. But banks and companies were unsure if demand would continue. That's no longer the case. It's been five years since the launch of the TCH RTP network, and FedNow is only months away from production. In Q2 of this year, TCH processed 41.2 million transactions in excess of $18 billion. The growth of solutions like Venmo and Zelle for consumer and C2B instant payments have continued at an incredible pace. 
Zelle reported in September that they had processed in excess of 5 billion transactions in the five years of their existence. The growth isn't just in P2P. One argument for slow adoption by commercial banks has been the notion that businesses don't require real-time payments. Well, the the facts might be starting to question that. Zelle reported an 87% increase quarter over quarter in their digital disbursement business. That's their B2B-based or B2C-based business. And nearly 8 million payments from their small business solution in the last quarter. Zelle is now also processing transactions via the TCHRTP network. Oh, wow. So the pandemic was really a game changer for the acceptance and use of real-time payments, especially for businesses, small businesses specifically. During the pandemic, they turned to instant payment options not only to pay each other and their employees, but also as a way to accept consumer payments as an alternative to cash. The infrastructure is now in place, and at least for TCH has been proven. Demand is there and growing. There really is no longer need to be cautious and conservative. If banks continue to do so, they risk being left behind by their competition. There's no, this is no longer just a big bank proposition. Uh, the reality actually is that it never was as many of the small banking technology providers have already integrated with TCH. However, that aside, uh, the Fed is a trusted partner of most of the regional and small, smaller banks. And now that the Fed is about to launch FedNow, there's no reason not to move forward with implementing instant payments. Yet some banks continue to wait for critical mass. A recent payment report on the other side of this coin, showed 53% of U.S. businesses said cash flow management improves with real-time payments, for example, and 33% reported improved transparency in their payment process. So why do you think banks are being cautious here? Um, As I mentioned earlier in my comments, um, there is evidence of growing demand for real-time. And and almost uh, every payment publication headline you read echoes that right? There's new use cases that are being implemented every day, bill payment, rebates, insurance claims and settlements, merchant settlement, real estate closing, automobile financing, and the one that the pandemic really pushed into being earned waged access or instant payroll. Right. Right. But the point you've raised about liquidity benefits of instant payments is one that I don't think is fully understood. If, there, uh, if it were, demand would only increase that much faster. Using an instant payment, a company can hold on to their cash longer and only make payments at the required minute to take advantage of advantageous trade, trade terms or in order to ensure shipment of goods or to ensure continued service. You know, real-time payments are first and foremost a liquidity tool that should be understood and utilized more. On top of that tool, a payer also receives confirmation of payment as an added benefit. Now, demand on the B2B or B2C side of the house is actually hindered by the lack of adoption of some parties. The biggest challenge to whole-scale adoption of real-time payment by some large entities is reach. They Mm. are limited by how many employees or vendors or customers they can use real-time payments with. This is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
The demand is strong now, but with even more accessible recipients, the demand will also increase. Interesting. Now, pricing has also been mentioned, but it looks like it's even up from what the Fed has um, announced. They recently put out its fee schedule, which includes some fee holidays and some other pricing roughly, roughly equivalent to other platforms. Do you think banks expecting something different from the Fed in terms of pricing? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I think the obstacle you were referring to was sort of the unknown of pricing. Mm-hmm. Now, was this going to be better or worse than what TCH was offering? How did it compare to ACH and wire pricing? Um, I think that the Fed announcement in early November clarified all of that. What I found interesting was that the Fed has gone so far as offering price incentives for those adopting Fed now in 2023. Now, it's just another reason to stop waiting on the sidelines and get moving with your real-time payments projects now. Interesting. So we've talked about interoperability in the past. Um, And rather than ask you the same question, I'm going to ask you to comment on what somebody else said. This is from the Modern Treasury website. The challenge around RTP and FedNow interoperability is that while the communication language that each system uses is the same, the setup for sending and receiving payments via either system is slightly different. Do you see that as an important issue? John, I think the setup and receiving uh, payment piece of this is somewhat of a one-time headache. Okay. I think the bigger interoperability challenge is going to be the actual exchange of a payment or a request for payment with senders and receivers banks participating in opposite platforms. That exchange is really the more complicating part. Mm. Having the message sets be the same is an essential first step. But the next hurdle to overcome is the actual routing and exchange across networks. That accomplishment will certainly help address the reach problem that I was mentioning earlier. Mm. Okay, interesting. And then let's go to fraud, which I know is a bugaboo of yours. Um, You know, despite the data available via ISO 20022, there's still this perception, I heard it on a webinar the other day, that the irrevocable nature of, of real-time payments leads to permanent fraud. What's it going to take to put, put this myth to bed? <laughs> I love the fact that you asked me this question. I think it's going to take three things. One, widespread communication of that data that is proving to um, say that this is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, this has kind of been um, my stump speech, right? Continued common sense security practices right. being enforced and the myths around the speed of the payment requiring security best practices, uh, shortcuts being debunked. You know, that's kind of the primary thing. But thirdly, I'd also say time. As the volume of real time transactions increase over time and the data continues to show, that these are no more fraudulent than any other type of payment when the common sense security practices are followed, the noise about this issue will finally quiet down. You know, in in prepping for this this interview, I I looked at what a lot of banks are doing in terms of how they position real-time payments, what the messaging looks like. And we mentioned use cases earlier. Um, you know, some banks have said it's good, it's fast, it's great. 
right? Other banks have been a little more detailed and a little more forward thinking. Like JP Morgan Chase um, was talking about um, detailed scenarios. Like if your business has low inventory, does that open more possibilities? But do you think banks should be on the lookout for new use cases and maybe even have a team ready to go to take advantage of them? Um, I, I turn that a little bit, John. I yeah. think banks need to actively be looking for innovation, okay. innovative new use cases and add-on services that they can create around instant payments. You know, there's a lot of creative ways to take advantage of what real-time payments has to offer and its ancillary offerings. You know, no one's really talked about how they can, um, you know, take advantage of and capitalize on things such as the added communication vehicle, the uh, confirmation of payment. There's a lot of things that real-time payments offer that banks should not be waiting for someone else to figure out how to use. Right. No, they are, they're in touch with their customers. They know this market. They just need to sort of um, stop putting up a barrier and start thinking about how it could actually be used instead of somebody, you know, telling them how it mm. could be used. Chris Ward at Truist, I think, has a great summary of what's driving Truist to come up with new real-time use cases and ancillary services. He, he has three eyes, immediacy, right? He said he, he uses demand for immediacy um, and its constant increase as an impetus. He, he calls it the Starbucks effect. Mm. Now, when you order your coffee in, an, in the Starbucks app, it immediately tells you that your coffee will be ready in X number of minutes, right? There's a, an immediacy about the action and reaction and confirmation there. Integration. Um, he's referring to integrated experiences, ordering and paying in an app, as well as tracking real-time delivery in that app are all good examples of flows that can be modeled and taken advantage of in a real-time payments experience as well. And thirdly, he mentions interruption. Um, there are lots of forces that are interrupting commerce today, supply chain issues, liquidity issues, economic issues, all, they all have an impact on an ability, a company's ability to pay. Mm -hmm. And real-time payments can actually help solve some of those issues. Yep. So again, I, I think it's on the banks to really just start creatively thinking about how they can use real-time payments instead of real-time payments use cases in general surfacing. Let's go to B2B payments, which I know is a burgeoning area here. And I'm going to go to your alma mater at U.S. Bank. Um, they recently put out a report um, that said reducing, quote, pending anxiety and de-risking money movement. I love those phrases. Um, RTP is quickly gaining traction as businesses prioritize speed and convenience when sending and receiving money. And then it goes on to say um, that with the maximum transaction limit raised from 100000 to a million, that more opportunities will open up for businesses to take advantage of RTP. How important was that transaction limit raised, Jessica? For some specific use cases, John, it was essential, right? It now allows RTP to become more of a true lower cost wire alternative for such things as mortgage closings, commercial loan funding, um, large vendor or trade related payments, large retail merchant settlement, for example, 
But in general, it really just takes away another perceived uh, barrier of adoption. It just takes that away again. It allows RTP to be um, an alternative to wire. It now matches the limitations on same-day ACH, which which just recently increased its limit to a million dollars mm. as well. So that limit change um, was something that was essential uh, for the larger dollar use cases um, to actually come to fruition. Okay, interesting. So final question. I saw a quote. I'm going I'm to leave the person and the bank out. Um, pretty much said, we're going to wait and see. So you've said earlier that you risk being left behind competitively if you don't aggressively get after a real-time strategy. But is there any wisdom in waiting for it to launch? I don't think so at this point, John. We're beyond that wait and see um, period of time. There's really no benefit at this point of waiting for it to launch, for FedNow to launch. Mm -hmm. um, the real-time or instant payment projects take several months to implement at a bank, right. right? All of the uncertainty about this offering, specifically FedNow, is now known. We know what the message sets are. We know what the production or live dates are going to be. We know pricing. We know who their technology partners are. And if you don't know who the Fed's technology partners are, on the Fed uh, website, it has a service provider showcase that highlights them. You know, so we know that demand for real-time or instant payments is here and growing. So putting all those things together, I really don't see what we should wait for. And like I mentioned earlier, the longer you wait, the less you will be seen as a progressive payments innovator, and the more you'll be seen as a technology laggard and beaten to the punch by your more aggressive competitors. All right. The business case for real-time payments laid out there. Um, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us and, and lending your experience and expertise here. Anytime, John. I appreciate okay. your time. Um, so that's a wrap for the Payments Podcast. Actually, the uh, the title we're working with is Real Payments Have Arrived. Now, what are we waiting for? And if you want to find out, you're going to have to listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.